Welcome Bears fans to another edition of Bears Scat. This is the damn Skippy Scat version of Bears Scat today. And I'm calling it that simply because we're at when we get done with this whole process, we're going to be able to say, damn Skippy! So, um, I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, obviously the biggest news that is out there, and that's... Uh, which way uh, we will end up going. Everybody's got their theories about the new GM. Everybody's got their theories about the new head coach. When in actuality, I wonder if even George McCaskey knows exactly who he's going to hire. So um, we're going to uh, do a little bit of review here real quick. Uh, and Jim's going to start that off. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the coach and the GM, and that's obviously an optimistic time. It's exciting to see the Bears interviewing right. pretty much everybody in the NFL for both general manager and head coach. It's it's good to see that they're casting a wide net and following through on that exhaustive search, search that uh, George McCaskey promised. Uh, but before we get into that optimism, I wanted to get into <laughs> a, a, a little, a, a couple of passages from this article that was recently uh, published in The Athletic by uh, Adam Johns and Kevin Fishbane. And just for those of you listening, if, if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, I'd highly recommend it. It's great content. But this article is a deep dive into just how dysfunctional the Bears have been uh, over the last 10 years under George McCaskey. And there's a lot of interesting nuggets in here. We're not going to be able to get to them all because it's really long. I'd recommend that you read it. It, it will make you mad. I promise you that. <laughs> but... I mean, there's there's a lot of nuggets in here, actually, about Matt Nagy and, and Mitch Trubisky. And um, this happens when you get a coach fired. Once a coach is gone, anybody that was disgruntled under that coach finds a way to speak out, whether it be anonymously or on the record. But uh, it, it kind of paints a bit of a different picture than I think a lot of Bears fans had in mind when we thought about Nagy and Trubisky, just because Mitch always came across as... You know, a nice kid, but maybe not necessarily the sharpest or wasn't great at reading defenses, didn't really ever grasp the offense. and He was pretty quiet, too. Really quiet, yeah. Just never really... Reserved. Seemed, yeah, never seemed to feel fully comfortable in front of the media. Um, and so this article, I mean, it, it goes into how Nagy and Trubisky seemed to be on different pages from the beginning. The article certainly implies that Nagy never wanted Trubisky, which the question there is, then why did you take the job? But <laughs> we'll put that aside. I mean, it talks about how Nagy was just extremely critical of Trubisky behind the scenes to the point where it actually bothered some teammates because they felt like Nagy you know, was more or less picking on Mitch Trubisky. Um, and, and there's an, a paragraph in here that I really found interesting. Um, and it talks about... Mitch just in training camp, and I'll just read it. It says, the, the rebuke of Trubisky struck a different chord in the locker room. Um, oops, sorry, I lost my place. It basically goes on to say that one training camp, Mitch was going through the plays, and he was voicing to his teammates that he was concerned that the offense wouldn't work and that Nagy's plays just weren't ever going to be successful. And that the coaching staff kind of shouted him down and said, no, 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 trust the process, trust the process. And we know that the process never ended up working. And then kind of the, the conclusion of all this is that 
at the end of the 2019 season, Mitch and Nagy were supposed to meet to kind of discuss how they were going to make this all work. And Trubisky showed up to the meeting with notes and Nagy just blew him off, just didn't even show up to the meeting. So that kind of paints a, a really different picture than what I had thought. And I mean, I've always kind of had in the back of my mind that Nagy messed up Trubisky. And I think, you know, there's certainly things in the article to suggest that. I, well, he, um, Jim sent me this, a, a couple of these blurbs today. And uh, the first one, I, I just, as he was saying about Nagy blowing him off, I don't know the inside. None of us really do. But it certainly sounds to me like something Nagy would have done. Nagy, during his entire time as the head coach, did not seem... Everybody likes to talk about how player-friendly he was in his club dub, which I thought was completely stupid. Uh, but, you know, they, it, it's hard to reflect on that in a positive manner when you look at what his actions reflect, especially, I think it all culminated this year. You know, Jim, you and I have talked about how at times it almost seemed like he was adversarial with Justin Fields, right? And I think the same could be said with his relationship with Trubisky. He never seemed like he was really supporting that kid. No, I mean... If that story is true about him blowing off Trubisky after 2019, I mean, that's just unprofessional. I mean, you and I both work, you know, corporate jobs. People miss meetings all the time, but they call you and they reschedule or they apologize. Like, things happen, but that's the quarterback of your team. I mean, and this is after 2019. This was before all hope was completely lost with Trubisky. Like, we all had an idea in 2019 that he wasn't worth the second overall pick. But you still had some hope that maybe he could be a successful quarterback. Just blowing him off is just such odd behavior for a head coach. Just paints the picture of a guy that was completely done with the relationship. And that explains why you go out and trade for Nick Foles, which we've gone over that many times. But, you know, it's just one of those things where Nagy always had a reputation of being a real nice guy to the media and always like you said a player's coach but when you start hearing some of the stuff leaking out from behind the scenes it certainly doesn't seem like he was that great a guy behind the scenes if some of this stuff is true yeah and you know um okay so we have talked a lot about false but just to uh, in that same vein you know i mean we had it seemed like we had every coach on the staff that had ever worked with Foles. <laughs> i mean i i I know that sounds facetious, but it's really not. You know, I mean, uh, DiFilippo, Laser, and Aggie all had history with him. Uh, That's just, that's a little too convenient. I mean, it would have been one thing if they had all been on the staff for a while. They didn't. They brought them in, and then they went and got Nick Foles. I don't think they could have been any, they they might as well just put a big sign out there that said, we want Nick Foles, you know what I mean? And when you hear about Trubisky criticizing the offense, I mean, the offense never proved to work. How many different quarterbacks did Matt Nagy have during his time here? Yeah. And did the offense ever resemble anything like what you see in Kansas City, which is what Nagy was always trying to replicate? Like it, it's it, it the the one season that he had where the offense had some functionality, it was because 
the Bears had the number one starting field position of any team in the NFL that year because of the defense. The defense also had the number one amount of takeaways. The defense also had the number one amount of touchdowns. So, I mean, that, that year is so skewed because it made the offense look like it was a lot more functional than it actually was. And that was one of the things that they talked about in between the 18 and the 19 season was that, hey, uh, Bears fans, I hate to burst your bubble, but it's about to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that 2018 team had plenty of warning signs. I think we all ignored them because it was a fun year and because it had been so long since the Bears were contending even for a playoff berth, let alone, you know, at the time we thought that was a Super Bowl contender, right? Right. And... Uh, I, I think that Nagy benefited a lot from that Cody Parkey miss because he got to spend the entire offseason complaining about the kicker, as did all of Chicago, when everybody kind of ignored that his offense didn't really put up the kind of production that he had promised in 2018, and that came to fruition in that playoff game when they scored 12 points or 15 or whatever it was. Right, right. And, the, you know, that, and, and that game, little did we know, was actually foreshadowing of what was going to be uh, what was going to become commonplace for his offense. And the thing is, is that you know uh, they, we've talked about this before the the memes of Trubisky. You know, I took Nagy's offense to the playoffs twice. <laughs> well, so it's a that, that's arguable. But uh, but the first season, you know that that eighteen season. Um, he actually put him in position to win. Mm-hmm. He took him down the field and they scored, right? And it was the defense, which again, foreshadowing, that would allow the game-winning drive by who? Uh, Nick Foles. Yeah, people... <laughs> Nick Foles! People forget that. There was plenty of blame to go around in that playoff There was game. plenty of blame to go around. There's another thing in this article I want to get to, and it directly relates to the hiring process. So th- this is going back to when the Bears hired Ryan Pace. And do you remember during that hiring cycle who the top general manager candidate was? Just consensus for all the teams that were looking? I don't. So it was Chris Ballard. Oh, Chris Ballard. So Chris Ballard, current general manager of the Colts, which I think everybody would agree is a pretty pretty well-run organization. I think he's done a good job there. Chris Ballard also notably started his career with the Bears, went and worked for, I think, maybe the Chargers. That might be wrong, but... He left the Bears, went and worked somewhere else, and eventually went and got hired by the Colts, and he's still there. And it talks about when he came in for his interview with the Bears, he had two significant requests that the Bears weren't willing to uh, to, to, to accept. He, number one, didn't want to report to Ted Phillips. He wanted to report directly to George McCaskey. And number two, he wanted to move on from Jay Cutler. So those two demands are cited in the article, and then there's some more in here, and this is from a, a former Bears employee that says, quote, That thing stunk. It's a good old boy thing. Ryan Pace was a recommendation from Saints general manager Mickey Loomis. Loomis and Ted are tight. Saints coach Sean Payton wanted Pace to be the GM. Ernie Accorsi and, Payton, and Sean Payton are connected. That was the reason Pace interviewed last. And that really struck me as odd wow. because... Why in the world are Mickey Loomis, the general manager of the Saints, and Sean Payton, the coach of the Saints, coming up 
in any form or fashion in the Bears hiring <laughs> of a general manager. Right. And then there's one more there's one more nugget in here, and it's about John Fox. Fox was put in place because they had a young GM. He was the older guy. He understands personnel. It was the master plan from Acorsi, Loomis, and Ted. Oh, so, man. Ted Phillips, Ernie Acorsi, and the general manager of a team in your conference, Mickey Loomis, were the ones that decided that John Face would be a... I mean, what kind of a process is that? I don't know. <laughs> and, it, and uh, you know, this year, uh, there has been interesting talk about uh, just about how this is happening. You know, um, that, well, uh, m- you know, George McCaskey has done everything that he possibly can to distance himself from the process uh, previously like, oh, I didn't really have much to do with that. I'm the fan. I don't I don't really put my hands in the football aspect, you know. And now, I, okay, now I'm going to take charge, you know. And this is going to, Ted Phillips isn't going to be around. and It's just going to be me. It's like, wait a second. Why weren't you involved be- before? You're the owner, you know. What? <laughs> <laughs> What what company where the owner is not involved in major decisions? Usually companies that are run that way don't last very long. In fact, Mark Cuban is a really interesting example to look at because he loves the Mavericks more than anything. Yeah. And he, he that's one of the things I've read... Everything I've read about him as an owner is players love to go play for him because he treats them the way that they should be treated. And that is, that's, that's the goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. You you need a, you need a coach to mold it, but when it comes right down to it, it's the players that are playing, right? Yeah. And, and he, he wants them to understand that while they're there, he's going to make, he's going to make them feel like they're, they're the assets that they are. Yeah. I mean, no matter what anybody wants to say, in this current day, you know day and age, the players are the most important piece of the organization, right? Absolutely. Like, in the NBA, I mean that's a different league, you know. But the NFL, coach is really important. General manager is really important. But there's no team without the players, right? That's like, right. That's why all this year I was hammering Ryan Pace for roster construction because the Bears could have had Bill Parcells or. Bill Belichick or whoever you want to put down there on the sidelines, this team wasn't going to a Super Bowl. The roster was a mess. I'm not saying, you know, Matt Nagy did a good job. I think it's clear that he did not. But, you know, you, you need to you need to stock the cupboard, as, as we say. And just going back to Loomis and Peyton being involved, like, you talk about why bad organizations stay bad. It's because of bad processes like that. Like, Maybe I'm a little naive there. Maybe teams do give each other recommendations in the NFL, but like that's literally a team in your conference. Like the right. Saints beat the Bears in the playoffs like two years ago, right? <laughs> like it's not like you were taking requests from like the Buffalo Bills or the the Los Angeles Chargers or a team that you play once every four years, right? Like that's your direct competition. And it just struck me as really odd that you know, key executives in the New Orleans Saints were influencing the Bears' general manager and coach process. Yeah, I mean, what in what is that? Yeah, it, it's like um, if you don't have the personnel to make those kind of decisions, then you need to look at the root of the issue there. 
And that means that, well, uh, there's been a lot of criticism of McCaskey uh, pretty much the entire time he's been there. Remember, this is the guy that was in charge of ticketing for 20 years. <laughs> well, right? apparently he was like getting in fights with players. Olin Krutz <laughs> came out and said that right. him and George got in like a shouting match over tickets once. <laughs> and there's another guy too, and I can't remember who this said, but I've heard two stories of players getting in fights with George McCaskey while he was running the ticket office. Right. Like, what right. in the world is that? And, and, and you know, when you think about it, it's like, Hmm, George McCaskey in charge of ticket office. That sounds right. Yeah, that's what I, I'd like him to go back there. I mean, but like I said, I mean, you should read this article. It, it does a great job of explaining why the Bears have had so many issues over the past decade. It, it's just every time they hire somebody, there's some element of dysfunction woven in, right? Like, I had kind of forgotten about this, but... Remember how everybody was so critical of Mel Tucker when he was here because the defense was horrible? He was right. the defensive coordinator under Trestman. I had forgotten that when they hired him, it was conditional upon him running Lovey Smith's defense when he didn't know Lovey Smith's defense. It's like in this article, it talks about Lance Briggs is literally staying after hours to help the coaches learn how to run a cover, too. It's just, stop doing things like that. Yeah. Like, that just doesn't make any sense. If you want to hire a guy to run cover two, hire a guy with a cover two background, you <laughs> idiots. Like, actually, one of the, um, that, uh, uh, a quick side note. Um, Lovey actually was one of the people, uh, I, had, I, I still like Lovey Smith. I thought Lovey Smith was a good coach. You know, we're, I just felt like he couldn't get the offense together. But, Putting that aside, he did say some things that I really liked. And one of them was, they were talking to him about the cover two, right? Because his Tampa two was was the buzzword, yeah. right? And finally, Lovey comes out one time, just gets a little frustrated, and says, you know what? We don't always run the Tampa two. Just to let you know, not everybody does that. In fact, usually with defenses, you have them evolving into different defenses throughout the entire game, right? So, And sometimes you're in a 4-3. Sometimes you're in a 3-4. Sometimes you're in a cover 4. You're, you're not always into the Tampa 2. So just... We don't need to focus on how the Tampa 2 doesn't work. Because that's not all we do. And it was like, that makes so much sense. How do, how do people not get that? Oh, that, would have, that would have made Matt Nagy's head spin. <laughs> I, I <know>. mean, <laughs> what, the defense evolves during the game? <laughs> right. But going back to this, because we're going to get into the, the general managers and the coaches that the Bears have been interviewing. But I, I think that my takeaway from that article is that there's... If the Bears are going to get it right this time, they're going to have to get lucky, right? Because yeah. when your process is dysfunctional, you can interview all the people you want, but if you've already admitted that, A, you don't know what you're doing, such that you have to bring in somebody like Ernie Acorsi or Bill Polian, and B, you're taking advice from other people that have a vested interest in you not being successful, <laughs> you know, you can ask all the right questions and, and you know, interview all the right people, but... You're going to have to have some luck if you're going to hire the right guys. And that's kind of my takeaway from that is if if this level of dysfunction that's outlined in this article is still happening, then 
Maybe they'll get it right, maybe they won't, but if they do get it right, it won't be because they went through the best possible process. Right. How many other guys out there are looking at George McCaskey and just going, hmm, stooge? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if I was an executive and I had an opportunity to interview for this job, I'd go in and, you know, just tell George whatever you think he wants to hear, right? Right. How's he going to sniff it out? You, you, Bill, but, you know, there's Bill Polian, right? The hope is that Bill Polian being there is 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 helpful in that regard, and he can kind of sniff out some of the bullshit. But Bill Polian, A, has no vested interest in the Bears beyond the fact that they're cutting him a check. Right. B, he's been out of the league forever. Yep. I mean, clearly Ernie Accorsi was... Is it, ju- was isn't trying to, Bill Polian 90? No, I think he's like 80. Oh. But, but like... <laughs> Ernie, now, now that, that's just to let you know, fans, that's not being ageist, but it's like Jim just said. The guy has been out of the system for a long time. Now, we all rec- we all like him, but he has been out. Yeah, and I mean, Ernie Accorsi was the Bill Polian last time, and it sounds like he just was kind of... <laughs> just like, I mean, like exactly the Bill Yeah, <laughs> and it sounds like he was just like doing some favors for his boys around the league. And he gets his $500,000 check or however much the Bears paid him, and now he's sitting on a beach somewhere. He's not sticking around to deal with the fallout of this. So. Yeah, the, you know, uh, it, it, not to mention the fact that both of them worked with the Colts organization. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the thing is, is that it, it, it just goes back again to the root of the issue. And you and I have discussed that a lot, and I think that's what... We're seeing right now uh, in the buzz on Twitter and these other places is that the people that are looking at this sharply are realizing that the root of the issue is that George McCaskey has never professed to be that involved with football, even though his whole life has been surrounded by football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with... The McCaskies and Ted Phillips, the whole thing is, well, they're not involved with football. They're not involved with football. And I I, I believe that when we're talking about, like, week-to-week game management stuff. Right. But at some point, when it comes time to make these big-picture decisions, if they're the ones hiring the general manager and hiring the consultants that are going to help advise them to find the GM and the coach, then they are involved in the most (laughs) critical football decisions that the organization that you can make that the organization has to make right like and they have like you said professed repeatedly that they're not football people they're just bears fans i'm using that quote directly from george mccaskey's right. press conference uh last week just uh, i mean way to sound like a total doofus yeah exactly i mean why would you make that admission? I mean, if, if you're trying to distance yourself from the football team, I can understand why, because that perception has always existed. But if you're the one interviewing and hiring the general manager, then you hopefully know at least a little something about football, right? Right. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's a different industry than most, right? I mean... If if you want to take some guy and move him from, you know, corporate job to corporate job, chances are he could probably conduct a good job interview in those settings without knowing that much about the business. But not with football, right? I mean, we're going to get into this, but when you're talking about interviewing general managers, the Bears have interviewed a bunch of guys from good organizations, but 
who's to say how involved they were in X decision or Y decision, and you need right. to be able to kind of to kind of suss that out. And, and if you don't know anything about football, it doesn't give me a lot of faith that you're able to do that. Right. So, um, you know, Biggs was talking about this, right? Because there was this idea of making this football czar, right? Lavelle's talked about that at uh, over at over at Allery's about having the god of football, yeah. right? And I actually like that idea. I do but too. the thing is, is that then you're adding an, uh, the the counter part of that is or the counter to that is, well, then you're just adding another chain, another link in this chain, right? Yeah, someone's got to hire him. Exactly. And so, and so it becomes kind of redundant. You know, what, what's the, what's the deal here? Really, if you look at it, there should be, in my opinion, if you're going to keep George McCaskey as CEO of the organization, which I don't see that changing probably not while Virginia is still alive, um, then really that football, that got a football would be right under him. And it would be, I'm the CEO of the, of the, of the company as a whole. And that's what I do. And, and then the, the God of football is in charge of everything that has to do with anything regarding the team. That's the Cubs model. Right. You have a right. president of baseball operations and then an equivalent president of business operations. Yeah. And, and which also, to me, would remove Ted Phillips. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you get rid of Ted Phillips. Because the thing is, is that um, if, uh, if George isn't involved in the football portion of it, well, then he should at least be able to run the... Uh, the financial portion of it, right? That's why it does sound like George McCaskey in charge of ticketing sounds like it would be the best job for him. He did it for 20 years. Yeah, and that sounds like the structure that the Bears are going to go to. It's just in this scenario, the football czar will just be the general manager and the GM will report directly to McCaskey and Ted Phillips will run the business. He'll deal with Arlington Heights and corporate sponsors and all, all that and you know, and that's why when people talk about firing Ted Phillips, I mean, no one can deny that the Bears are a very successful business, right? Yeah. Like, that part of the problem is they make money hand over fist, regardless of how the team does on the field. Right. So, you know, but they've said, okay, well, the, the new football staff is now going to report straight to George. Phillips isn't going to be involved, but Phillips is going to be involved in the hiring process. So it's like, <laughs> just it, it's just always something with these guys. And just the, the most obvious things, they just can't And this is the it. other part that confuses me, is this process they're going through right now of, okay, are we hiring... The GM first? Are we hiring the head coach first? Are we hiring them simultaneously? Now, the most recent news I saw today was that they are leaning towards hiring the GM before the head coach, but how long before they hire the head coach? Are they going to hire him hours before they hire the head coach? Days? Weeks? It certainly doesn't look like it's going to be weeks, which means it's probably going to be days. So how much is the head, is the GM going to have input on the head coach? Because don't you think, I think that that was a, a, a disconnect when they brought in Pace, right? Was they should, to me, the, the GM absolutely should be involved in the hiring of the head coach. 
They have to work together literally every single day. Well, they have to be in sync. And if the chain of command is coach, general manager, George. Right. If I'm, uh, it, it, whoever you think is the most qualified general manager candidate, if the Bears hire a coach before they hire that that guy, why why would I take that job? Then? Right. If you're telling me I'm in charge, but you've already told me I have to work with this coach, unless you really like the coach, right, and you're kind of doing this as a package, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to hire the coach first. And it's weird because the Bears have already conducted like six or seven head coaching interviews without having the GM in place. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm gonna be the boss of this guy, and I didn't have any. Uh, any input on having him come in? I mean, I work for a pretty small company, and that wouldn't happen at my company, <laughs> you know? I mean, we have a private owner, and I'm pretty sure that he would not be like, okay, I'm going to bring in the head of service, and then the guy that's running all the service guys isn't going to... Is it going to be picked by me? I'm pretty sure that that would not happen. And you know that's the way the way my the way my company runs. It didn't happen that way. So I just you know we're talking about a multi billion dollar corporation entity, large enterprise. I don't think any large enterprise would do that. You wouldn't think so. I mean, there have been exceptions, and I think there's a couple of guys that. If the Bears could get them as their coach, I would be okay if they hired the coach first. Like, for example, um, you know, uh, 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 when Kansas City hired Andy Reid, they hired Reid before their general manager. But that's a Hall of Fame coach, right? That is a Hall like, of Fame coach that, um, you know, that's a lot different than hiring Matt Nagy yeah. or Mark Tressman or even John Fox, for that matter, yeah. right? Even Lovey. You know, and so you look at, there you go. You just covered what? 20 years worth of coaches right there, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and so none of those guys would certainly be one where it's like, oh, this is your coach. That, that would be cool. Yeah. You know? I mean, and the Bears just never seem to do it the right way. It's like. Yeah. Remember, if we were hiring Bill Parcells. Yeah. Um, or if we were hiring Bill Belichick. If we were hiring, you know, Andy Reid. Okay. Yeah. I get some of those guys, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, but it, it, that's not what we're doing. No, no, and you know, it's, if you go back to the end of Lovey, right? Like the Bears fired uh, Jerry Angelo and then hired Phil Emery and told Emery, "You have to keep Lovey Smith." Right. Just another example of of a poor process, and and we all remember how that turned out. I want to get to this list, so I've got a list of. GMs and coaches that the Bears have either interviewed, have requested to interview, or are in some way connected to the job at least. So, would you like to start with coach or GM? Should yeah, we... let's do, let's do coaches first. Okay, I think coaches are going to be easier for us to talk about just because right. GM we don't have visibility into who's doing what and all these front offices. But, right. So these are the names of coaches that uh, the Bears have either interviewed or have requested to interview. So. Uh, no particular order here. We've got Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator. Brian Dayball, the Bills offensive coordinator. Jim Caldwell, who's not currently coaching. Nathaniel Hackett, Packers OC. Brian Flores, recently fired by the Dolphins. Doug Peterson, Byron Leftwich, Buccaneers OC. Todd Bowles, Buccaneers DC. Leslie Frazier, Bills DC. Dan Quinn, Cowboys DC. 
and then uh, I have a space here on my sheet, and then I have Jim Harbaugh's name, because we know that that's a, a hot rumor, but haven't really seen him indicate any interest in the Bears. So right. going through that list, A, did I miss anybody? And B, you have a, do you have a guy that you want? So I don't, I don't think you missed anybody that I know of. But, um, yeah, I mean, so you know, there's several of those names that are big buzzwords right now. And, um, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot to be, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, but, you know, one of the things that is, that is happening right now is we are seeing, uh, all these guys come in and primarily we're seeing a lot of DC guys. And while I think that looking at some of those defensive coordinators and there's a really great list there of defensive coordinators. My shying away from that is that to me, we still have not seen an example of a successful, uh, a successful attempt at bringing in somebody that is more offensive minded. Uh, For one thing, the bears have been mostly focused on defensive coordinators for most of the time uh, that in the modern era and um, the to me the best example is Lovey. Lovey Smith is was a good coach. He was a good leader for the team. I felt like he had a disciplined focused football team when they went out there, but the offense stunk the entire time. And it didn't get better no matter what coordinators he brought in. And the coordinators he brought in, I was not fond of any of them. So that's a, that's a real focal point. Um, when you look at it now, uh, you know, you got, some of those, uh, you got some of those guys that look good. I mean, Flores, uh, he's had some outstanding defenses, right? Dan Quinn had some outstanding defenses. Uh, there's just there's several rock stars when it comes to that on there. Even Leslie Frazier, you know, people are bringing up Leslie Frazier again. Had a, a, a great leader when it comes to the defense, but his time in Minnesota was pukey. It was <laughs> it was not good, you know. So and you know what what did he suffer from? He had terrible offenses too while he was here. I think his work with the defense actually suffered because of how bad the offense was when he was here. Now, I saw one comment the other day. First thing they said, well, what are you going to do with Christian Ponder? That's my point. You could, you could say that about any coach in the history of the NFL. That's not what coaches do. Coaches make better players out of the players that they have. That's what they're supposed to do. That's the whole concept of being a coach, yeah. right? So, but at the same time, at the same time, they also need to be able to recognize the talent and go to the GM and say, you know what? This guy stinks. Let's get rid of him. He's not working, you know? So, uh, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said on the defensive coordinator, right? Like, if they're going to hire a defensive-minded head coach, a prerequisite to me is that you have to have a plan for who your offensive coordinator is going to be. Absolutely. And I I think one of the, the biggest things is that it's got to be an offensive coordinator that 
you know is good, but that also is probably not going to leave for a head coaching job, right? Because right. Say, say you bring in, you know, whatever. I, I, I no name is coming to mind, but say you bring in you Flores. Know, yeah, well, say not for like an OC. Yeah, so say say you hire Brian Flores and you get whoever the current offensive coordinator of like Sean McVay is, right? If he comes in, Fields has a great year is a candidate for, you know, is actually showing that he's, like, realizing his potential, that young, upcoming offensive coordinator is going to get hired next year. He is. Right? Like, so so that then is something that you, again, need to go fill a spot, right? And the problem is there's not that many good offensive coordinators that are no longer going to be head coaches, right? Like, I'm thinking of someone like Pat Shermer, right? A guy that's had a couple chances, has failed. And is probably just going to be an offensive coordinator for the rest of his career. I'm not saying I want Pat Shermer, but that's the kind of guy that you have to hire. And there's just not that many of those guys available. I'll say right now, like I think my favorite coach on this list, if we take Harbaugh out, is probably Flores. Just because of what you're talking about. I mean, he he was the head coach in uh, Miami for three years. That team overachieved every single year, including in 2019, he won five games with one of the worst rosters I've ever seen. I mean, that team was trying to go 0-16, and he won five games. Yep. And and so I think he's a good coach. I think he also fits the definition of kind of what I was talking about last week, which is a culture disruptor at Hallisall. Like, if Brian Flores comes in, he's not going to give two shits what George or Ted or anybody else says to him. He's going to be coaching the team the way he knows how. And I think that's probably the reason why the McCaskies won't hire him. But he's a really good coach. He's strong-willed, and I I just really respect the job he did down in Miami. Even though he's a defensive guy, too, um, part of the reason that relationship fractured is because he wanted Justin Herbert, and they drafted Tua, which has proven to be a good evaluation. Yeah. So I think he's a good coach. The question is, you know, what's his plan for offensive coordinator? Because when he was in Miami, it, he was there three years and he had three offensive coordinators. Yep. That can't happen. The rumor is that another guy they interviewed... Yeah, no, wait a second. Remember that, guys. He was there for three years and had three offensive coordinators. Yeah. Okay? That is awful mm-hmm. on the scale of things. That immediately brings up one name to me, Jay Cutler. Yeah. You know, nobody ever cut that guy slack about the fact that he had six offensive coordinators in eight seasons. I, I think that's my I think that's the right numbers, right? Yeah. Now, th- this is something I want to talk about real quick here. Because yes, I am one of the people that wants Dayball. Yeah. I want Brian Dayball brought in because I think that that is a a good way to assure that we keep an offensive mind is by making them the head coach from the beginning. Now, I liked Dayball before this whole hype thing came up just because I liked what I read about his experience with several brilliant football minds. Not because of that he's the flavor of the month right now. Um... He has experience with Nick Saban. He has experience with Andy Reid. And he has experience with Bill Belichick. That's pretty unique resume right there. Now, I do agree with you on Flores. And I do think that I, I could see that. But the problem is, is that you don't lose 
defensive coordinators the way you lose offensive coordinators. Right. And and that is simply because while it's always been defense wins championships, it's not that anymore. I refuse that concept anymore because I believe that offense wins championships now. You have to have a good defense. You can't have a schlock defense, but at the same time, you got to have an offense that can put points on the board so that way when the defense slips, you're not always in and up just like the Chicago Bears this year at the end of the game with the defense giving up a touchdown and you losing the game. Another team, the Minnesota Vikings. Go look it up. Every single game of theirs this year decided in the last few minutes of the game by one score, yeah. right? So that is becoming commonplace. It's not the it's not the exception anymore. It's the norm. And so you have to adapt. And if you look at the best teams in the league, what do they have? They have great offenses. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Green Bay Packers, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, right? The Buffalo Bills. They all, I mean, everybody's talking about the Bills because of what happened there. You know, I mean, holy crap. Now, I, I admit, uh, you know, a lot of things happened in that game, but... When you have a performance out of a young quarterback like that in in a in a playoff game, you just you just don't you know glaze over that. That was that was a that was a game for the ages. Yeah, I think the Dayball's uh, offensive performance last week against the Patriots should be all the job interview you need, right? I mean, he's going to get a job after that, and I agree with you. If, if they're going to hire a first time head coach, I think that's probably the guy I want. I like some of the other guys on here, too, but I think Dayball, like you said, I mean, his resume speaks for itself. He's won five Super Bowls as an assistant coach, and he's developed Josh Allen. Honestly, anybody from the Bills organization, I'm kind of interested part of the national in. championship, too. Yep. Like, the Bills have just built up quite a culture over the last few years, and it, it just seems like a really tough group, and... I think Dayball, you know, like I said, if you're going for the first time route, he'd probably be my guy. Um, Florida, and, and, and just real quick, also put in there how similar Josh uh, Josh Allen is with Justin Fields. Yeah. Their play is very similar. It Go. is, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at the athleticism there, I mean, Josh Allen is extremely talented and. He's got a lot of the same traits that Fields did. And if you remember his first year, you know, he held onto the ball too long. He made some questionable reads. I mean, stuff that's going to happen. When he made he, some fumbles. Yeah. Stuff that's going to happen. He had a critical fumble, I think, in a playoff game. Yeah. If I remember right. You know, it, that sounds very familiar. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, if, if that's the route you're going to go, I, I like it. I mean,. Hopefully the guy when when you talk about bringing in an offensive guy, my fear is exactly what happened with Nagy, right? It's guy that comes in and just doesn't seem to take command of the team, right? Because once you get that promotion, you're no longer just in charge of the offense or the defense or the special teams. You're in charge of the team. Right. Like I, I don't want, really want another guy that's going to come in and say. I'm only focused on the offense, and I'm going to let the defensive coordinator run the defense. Like, I understand. Everybody's got a specialty. Everybody's got a background. That's where they're going to gravitate towards. But you should at least be involved, right? Like, you Agreed. should be the CEO of the operation, 
And if you want to spend the most of your time working on the quarterback, that makes sense to me. I think that's probably a good approach. But the naggy thing was just too far, and it was it was just something that I don't want to be repeated. So, for one thing, fans out there, and I've seen this buzz a little bit on uh, the internet, it, you know, the comparison, this is not being critical of you, Jim, it, it's just people are equating naggy and dayball in this same kind of wavelength, right? And it's like, they're not the same at all. Uh, Dayball has 10 times the experience that Nagy has. Not to mention that he uh, has been a cog in in, in the organizations of some really brilliant head coaches. Nagy somehow went from being... uh, the coach for Alex Smith to a brief stint as offensive coordinator to head coach. Yeah. I mean, that is, he, I I don't think you need to prove to anybody he shouldn't have been a head coach. No, I think that's right. I mean, and Nagy had only ever really worked for Andy Reid. Right. He only knew one way of doing it. You won't have that problem with Dayball. So you're right. It's not the same. And I, I think that, you know, it, I talked about this last week. You know, don't let the Matt Nagy experience m- make you overcorrect, right? Like, right. If you think Brian Dayball's the best guy, the fact that he is a offensive-minded guy shouldn't hold you back from hiring him. Like, if you think that somebody else is the best guy, but they're similar with Matt Nagy in some other way, hire that person. Like, wh- hire whoever you think the best coach is, and I, I hope that that coach is you know, a, a better fit than Matt Nagy was. And I think that's where you get back to luck, right? Like, Matt Nagy could have been great. Like, it, it's not like he got fired. Still could be. Maybe, yeah, he'll, he'll get another job someday. But it's not like he got fired because he didn't work hard or because he was a jerk to the owners or anything like that. Or, you know, it seems like, you know, if we put aside that article from before, the players, for the most part, still had positive things to say about him. He just didn't score points. Right. You know, he was stubborn. He couldn't read a game, and he, he wasn't ready to be a head coach. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the process that got you to him was entirely wrong. So we're going to see. I mean, for whatever reason, I tend to like more of the defensive guys on here, but Dable would, without a doubt, be my guy. If and, you know, you know it, just to be clear, fans, it, 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 I'm not saying that Dayball is going to be a great head coach. I don't know that. Nobody knows that. I'm just saying that if you look at his resume, it's a pretty damn good one. And it def- it, it's, as Jim just said, it, whether we whether the Bears hire him or not, uh, somebody is going to hire him as a new head coach. I want to be, I hope that the Bears are the guys that pick the right guy this time. And yeah, if, if it's, we're going to hire a defensive guy, Okay, I, that's fine, you know, but we have struggled for years, for decades on the offense. And I know I'm not the only guy that is sick of it. I'm tired of it. The most important asset we have right now is number one. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what any anyone else, how anyone else sees it. I... Don't care. Uh, what I do care about is 
making sure that we do whatever it is to make that kid as good as we possibly can. Now, who knows? Maybe he's not that good. We don't know that yet. All I'm saying is we need to put as much effort around him as we possibly can to give him the very best chance for success. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, Say Dayball comes in and you think he's the best coach, but he thinks that Justin Fields sucks. Would that prevent you from hiring him? Now, see, that's the thing is that that's supposed to be his job, though. Yeah. That you know, that's one of the things that is frustrating. Uh, and you and I have talked about this as fans, right? Is when you see things and you feel that they are plain as day, and you're an armchair quarterback, but you're right. And the thing is, is that the people that are in charge of this, the ones that are making all the money and are in charge of it, don't see it. So, whatever way it works is whatever way it works. But I know one thing. You got this kid, you spent a ton on him, and you need to try and do everything to make sure he's successful. Now, is the is the coach coming in right now? I'm sorry. That's who you get. Yeah. I, there, there's to me, there's no question about that. This is who you get. You don't get to come in and try and make a trade or whatever to get rid of him and get somebody else. I don't think so. You have to come in and you have to deal with this kid. I, I agree. I mean, unless they go through all these interviews and the consensus is that Fields isn't the guy. If that's right. the case, then maybe that calls that uh, that causes you to reevaluate. But if most of the people in there that are interviewing think that they can develop him, then yeah, it kind of becomes a prerequisite that you need to want to work with them. Because I think that's part of what went wrong with Nagy is I think he said what he needed to do to get the job, yeah. but he never fully believed that Trubisky was the guy. So I don't kinda, think he did either. Kind of doomed from day one. All right, we're running a little short on time. Do we want to go through GMs quick? Sure. Okay, we'll run through this quick. Uh, so far, people connected to the job. Ed Dodds from the Colts. Joe Schoen from the Bills. Monty Asenfort from the Titans, Jeff Ireland from the Saints, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa from the Browns, Champ Kelly, currently employed by the Bears, Glenn Cook, Browns, Rick Smith, former Texans GM, and Morocco Brown, Colts. Sorry if I mispronounced any of those, but <laughs> any anybody in particular stand out there? I know I've got a guy on that list. So I, I was looking through the list, and I, I got to say... Um, when when we made the hire for Ryan Pace, I looked at his resume and I thought it was pretty good. The one uh, the one weakness that I saw was that he wasn't really involved with bringing a quarterback in other than Aaron Brooks, which didn't impress me at all. But I thought this guy's been in a good system for a while. He's uh, he's taken the correct steps to get to where he was. He was a natural progression to become a GM, so it wasn't like it was way out of whack for us to go hire him, but I haven't had anybody, for me, really just like jump out there and go, okay, you know, that's that's our guy. I think the guy I like is, is Rick Smith. So he was the general manager of the Texans for 11 years, I think, and he actually didn't get fired. He ended up leaving the Texans because his wife ended up having a terminal illness. Oh, right. So, really sad story, but he left to take care of his wife. And right around the time he left is when the Texans kind of started to spiral into this 
dysfunctional cycle that they're in. He was responsible for J.J. Watt. Yeah, so I've got that pulled up, actually. So here's just some of his draft picks from his time in Houston. So Dwayne Brown, left tackle. Brian Cushing, Kareem Jackson, J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson. Those are all all really solid yeah. players. And I mean, even taking Watson out of the equation just for a minute, mm-hmm. it, that list really good. Those are uh, there's a lot of defensive guys on there that I was salivating for, and those are all uh, high picks in the draft. Right? Yeah, it's not any of this Ryan Pace nonsense where oh he's great through the fifth through the seventh. Like I don't care, right? Like no, that's... he he put his rocks on the line on some serious picks and came out. With flying colors. Yeah. And like, yeah, so like being able to hit in the first couple rounds, as we've talked about, that's how you build championship rosters. Right. You fill in cracks with guys that you pick later on. I mean, Rick Smith's not perfect. He gave Brock Osweiler a big contract, <laughs> which Brock Osweiler actually did pretty did pretty well in his career against the Bears, but that's besides the point. Um, so, you know, I mean, none of these guys are going to be perfect. I mean, every general manager makes mistakes, but everything that I've heard about Rick Smith uh, makes it sound like he runs his team very professionally. He is a good drafter, and, you know, if you think about those Texans teams, I mean... Towards the later half of that tenure, 2006 to 2017, they were perennially in the playoffs. Now, they never won a Super Bowl, but, you know, they were a really stable team that did well year after year, and then he eventually drafted Deshaun Watson, who, you know, obviously, legal troubles aside, is a great quarterback. I wanted that pick. I I was dying for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and, I mean, the Texans, who knows where they'd be if Rick Smith hadn't left and turned over all the power to Bill O'Brien, who made just some of the dumbest trades in the history of the NFL. Literally. Right. So, like, I I think that's a guy that's got a proven track record, which I really like, Um, knows how to run an organization left, you know, for reasons other than incompetence on the job, which is always good. I mean, some of these other guys might be really, really bright football executives. It's tough for me to say, right? I mean, there's there's guys from the Colts and the Bills and the Titans and the Browns, like all so, good organizations. But So, right, and, and, and just to slide this in, um, most of those guys on that list are Ryan Pace. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not... I'm saying Ryan Pace at that point in their careers, mm-hmm. not the Ryan Pace right now. Yeah. But Smith already has been the guy. Yeah. And sh- he has proven track record. Yep, absolutely. And the Ryan Pace thing, right? I mean, like you said, he came from a good organization. He had a good resume. But when you talk about these good organizations, those those organizations know kind of who they're comfortable losing to, right? <laughs> like, those guys are like, well, this guy is irreplaceable, this guy's irreplaceable. Ryan Pace, pretty good, but if we lose him, I think we'll make do, right? Like, that's what good organizations do, right? And, like, that's what worries me with these guys from the Colts or, you know, the, the Bills or whatever the case might be, right? I mean... They might be really, really sharp guys. They might be really good executives. They might end up being great general managers. But when you come from a really solid infrastructure like that and you get out on your own to an organization like the Bears that is historically incompetent, who knows if they're going to be successful. I mean, Ryan Pace, 
you know, maybe if he had gone to a different organization that had more of a football infrastructure built up, maybe he could have been more successful. You never know. Well, but that's that's what I like about Smith because he's done it before. Yeah, and it, you know, not not doing a rewind. Let's not forget Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are both in their forties. Yeah. Okay, so it's not like they're ready to retire. Um, you know, both of them could still have very successful careers. I personally don't believe that Matt Nagy will be a good head coach. I, I just, I feel like he was such a failure with our organization. I just don't, I don't think he has it in him. Now he could still be, uh, go back to being a great uh, quarterbacks coach, or he could be a great offensive coordinator. Those things are still very possible. Um, and, you know, uh, at the same time, Pace. Pace could turn out to still be a very successful executive. He did do some good things. It's just that he couldn't do enough consistent good things. Uh, and the, his time, had, as far as I'm concerned, had just run out. Yep. But I do really like your, uh, your thoughts on Smith. Cause simply because it's like you said, he has already shown that he's been giving the big gun kind of resources, you know, those, those top picks and been able to take those and make, make really good picks out of them. I mean, even Cushing, who was a total psychopath. As far I, as I, I, I loved Brian Cushing, but, but the, the guy, uh, you know, the, the guy was, he, he played his ass off, yeah. you know? So, um, and you know, uh, the, the biggest one, of course, is Deshaun Watson, yeah. uh, who I'm absolutely convinced is going to go to another team and make them winners. I, I, I'm absolutely convinced of it. Uh, they, he, he may be um, going through this whole thing, which, by the way, have you noticed how much that has quieted down? Yeah. Yeah. Have, there, have there's going to be some, some money is going to be paid out about that, and then that whole thing is going to go away. Yeah, have, have fun with that, whoever decides that they're going to sell their soul to trade for him, but, yeah. you, you know, he, he's a great quarterback. You can't deny that. So Somebody's going to pay some money out, and that thing is going to go away. The guy is like 25 years old. I mean, he made, what, $40 million last year to play zero games? Yeah. I think he, he got paid $40 million to settle his case, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, you know, the, the there's going to be two winners in that deal. I, I, I think that the... The Texans are going to get a small fortune for him, and I think that uh, he's going to go to another organization, and he's going to make that team winners. And there's some teams out there that have some pretty good pieces in place that he could come in and change the entire organization. Minnesota Vikings are one that pops into my head right away. The, the you gi- know, Giants with the Bears' first round pick. So <laughs> exactly. So the um. You know, and also one thing about the Minnesota Vikings, Bears fans, I don't know how much you have thought about this, but it has been a little, there's been a little bug in my brain about this. The Bears and the Vikings are both hiring new general managers and head coaches at the exact same time. So to me, that makes it a little bit more personal. I mean, we've both been chasing the freaking Packers forever, and that is is coming to a close. It's just a matter of time. 12 is not going to be there forever. And I think he is probably going to be there next year, but he's not going to be there forever. And 
That means that we'll actually have a, a, a division that is a little bit more even coming soon, right? Hopefully. Don't you think? Hopefully. So it'll be interesting to see. They both have a lot riding on this because they're both starting from scratch. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And I, I think it I think it'll speak volumes in a in a year, even a year or two as to how these organizations are affected by that. Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be interesting to watch it play out. By the time we talk next week, the Bears may have hired their guys, so we'll see. I think there's a really good chance of it. Um, and, you know, I haven't heard as quite as much about uh, what the Vikings are doing as far as them bringing in personnel. No, I, I know that they uh, have had some interviews. I, I haven't followed it as closely. I know they're interviewing Kellen Moore, which I don't think the Bears are. I think other than that, it, the lists are probably most Pro- probably same. pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I think I mean the Bears the Bears are interviewing a lot of people, right? Which I think is good. Uh, it it minimizes the chance that you fall in love with an idiot. I think the the problem the the, pro- <laughs> the problem I have with interviewing all these people is. At what point do they kind of start to, you know, mesh together? Right. And then a differentiator cannot be that they fit in well with the Bears culture. Yeah. Because the Bears culture sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it is a culture of losing and incompetence and terrible decisions and not showing up to OTAs. That, that's, right? so, so that 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 goes back to what you were saying about Flores, right? Yeah. Because at least Flores does kind of seem like he'll come in and just be like, okay, if you want me to take this job, you got to understand, I'm running it. Yeah, this is my thing. I don't care what you think. You're not coming down here and talking to me about anything related to football. I'll meet with you at the end of the year, and George, good luck selling your tickets, <laughs> right? Like that's that's the kind of person. I mean, that would be the same thing with that would be the same thing with Harbaugh, right? Go, go check out season pass. Yeah, exactly. I, I I heard they need new paper towels in the in the in the ticket office restroom. So that I mean, that's the kind of guy I want. Like that's that's why I'm a little wary of a first time head coach. Like I'd like a guy that comes in that is going to establish a culture. I mean, there's other guys on this list too that have been successful. Dan Quinn. I mean, say what you want about him. He took a team to a Super Bowl. Todd Bowles. It's tough to say whether or not he got a fair shake with the Jets, just because that's a terrible organization. But I also think that um, I think Byron Leftwich gets a job. Oh yeah, I think so too. You know, and that's that. That's the only like we we we've talked about it, and I don't know how you prevent it, but. Um, it's the one thing that worries me about bringing in a defensive mind is that they're just not able to either A, get a quality offensive coordinator, or B, they get a quality one, and then they lose they're them gone. after a year. Yep. So, well, okay, uh, thanks a lot, Bear fans, uh, for uh, tuning in again. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, we uh, appreciate you guys listening to Bear Scat. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Have a good week.